Okay, Julie. So I'm going to tell you a story that I've never told you before, I don't think, because... I don't know. I think it's because it's interesting. So you don't tell me interesting things anymore? Is that what our friendship has become? (laughs) No. No, I think it's... It's a different kind of interesting because... So there was a period of time where I was very into Pokemon. I don't know if you entirely know this, but it was like maybe like a year to two year period around college age. So I was like watching a lot of Nuzlocke and like a lot of sort of Pokemon related facts. And I was like playing a lot of the games and like all this stuff, which is interesting. I know like there's probably a lot of people who are like, that's very nerdy, Krista. Well, I mean, for one thing, I am very nerdy, but also like I do enjoy the games. I, I, it's weird. There's this level of they're made for 10 year olds, but it's also like, yeah, but I enjoy the combat system and there is a level of complexity to it. I like, for example, they do all these tournaments and stuff and it's always interesting. Like when you'll see people who will pick like these really random bizarre Pokemon and then they'll use them and like win the whole thing. And it's, I don't know. I find it interesting, but Regardless, one of the things that was interesting about this is I accidentally got brought on a uh, Pokemon game show. Uh, I went to a con. This was a while ago, like I want to say maybe in 2013. And when I got brought on this con, it was like a little panel, like four people, and I almost won. Like, I I did pretty well. Uh, The part that I messed up on is I can't spell very well. (laughs) And they kept doing this thing where they would like want to spell words backwards. Well, Pokemon, I guess. And I couldn't do it. I was like, you no. You found my weakness. (laughs) I can tell you so many random facts because that's the kind of person that I am, but I can't spell shit backwards. That's not gonna I can barely spell it forwards. (laughs) Yeah, and it was the whole thing was just like this very weird thing because like we knew that it was gonna happen. I had been very into it at that time. Like I said, I was, like, watching a lot of Nuzlocke's. I was, like, watching, like, just random facts about Pokemon all the time. And then I went on. I did, like, my husband has this little trick that whenever you're going to, you know, try to be picked on things, where basically what you do is you try to pick the thing that's weird. Uh, So I did that. And that's worked for me twice, by the way, is that if you pick the thing that just seems odd, that, yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. And so I ended up on this game show and I think it was just very weird because like you could tell like the other people who were on it were probably like more into it than I was. Like they were like very, very, very into it. Like I was just kind of (laughs) there and I still did very well and I almost won, which was, yeah, very bizarre. I'm not as into Pokemon anymore. And so I still think that it's a very weird thing that happened. (laughs) This micro-obsession for two years, you know. I mean, that sounds pretty niche for us. <laughs> sounds normal. Did you play it when you were younger? I know yeah, we've, no, I've talked about it. So, I played Cause the you first were, three. You were Charmander. I remember specifically because our other, well, my close friend was Bulbasaur. I always picked Squirtle and you picked Charmander. And I was like, it's like we belong together. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I played the first three and then I kind of, I think I fell out after that point. So I never really played, um, 
what is it, like, diamond and pearl and then black and white. X and Y. Um, I did, so when I had gotten back into it, I did play X and Y. Gotcha. Um, which, again, I know, like, I know that, like, it's very off-putting to some people because, like I said, it's a game that's, like, made for 10-year-olds. But, like, also, I don't know. I do this thing when I'm playing games where I'm, like, I just pretend. I'm like, whatever. It's fine that people say you're 10, but I'm not going to believe it. I'm just going to play this game. <laughs> and that's what makes me feel better. Because there's a lot of games that I'll play that have 16-year-olds, for example, like as the main character. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool that you're 16, but I'm just going to ignore that. <laughs> I think the same thing happens with books you read. That you're like, well, I'm not this person, but today I am. <laughs> yeah. It's just... It's like, it's cool that you're 16, but whatever. But we're going to ignore all your 16-year-old moments. <laughs> because I can't read this if I'm going to pretend that you're 16. It's like, I mean, it's, that's kind of what happens when I read Harry Potter, for example. I mean, like, to a certain extent, do I know that he's 11? Yeah. Do I care? Not really. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's my um, weird story about the time that I did a Pokemon game show and just never talked about it. I don't know. I think it's... It was just random thing, honestly. Welcome to Passion for Your Passions, a show about everything we love, and sometimes a couple of rants. I'm Krista. And I'm Julie. And today, I'm going to be talking about beekeeping. Bees. Beekeeping and bees and honey. I don't know why I sang that. No, not the bees! Not the bees! I'm just a little pee. What are we talking about, Julie? So I thought I'm going to go in some sections. So I figured four sections would be good. I'm going to start with just general bee information as individuals, you know. And I'm going to go more into beekeeping, which will probably be a big chunk of, like, what I'm talking about today. And then I'm going to go into honey and then honey products. So to talk about bees, the first thing you really need to know about honeybees is there's three types of bees. There are drone bees, worker bees, and queens. So the worker bees are like 80 plus percent of the populace. They're the ones doing everything. And their jobs are usually designated based on life cycle time. So it's the idea that the old bees are the ones out seeking and going about because they're going to die soon. So why not do it with adventure? While the young bees are the ones that are inside, like taking care of the larvae. That's the most important part. The drones are completely fucking useless most of the time. The drones are the males. The drones are the only males, and they basically just wait around for the queen to be like, I want to be pregnant, and then they die soon after. <laughs> that's, like, that's it. <laughs> so how long does the queen live for? The queen can live pretty much indefinitely. It's hard to say exactly. Um, with beekeeping, you're supposed to re-queen, which is a harrowing process. <laughs> That I guess I'll go into. Uh, yeah, it this was, makes me nervous. <laughs> it was one of those things, like, I was looking at the species of bees that I was going to get, and, like, the one I wanted was Buckfast, which is a hybrid. And it specifically said, like, you needed to requeen them every year. And I was like, what the hell is that? And I kind of looked it up, and it's basically like, you're replacing the queen. I was like, simple enough. So I messaged my uncle. I'm like, can you tell me, like, what's the best process for this? He's like, okay, so what do you want to do? You want to find the queen? You want to pop her head off? I was like, what? <laughs> And then you leave her in there for all the bees to be like, oh my god, the queen is dead! And for them to panic. <laughs> and then he's like, and then you have to watch them for the next three days. They're going to be in complete panic. They might make supercells, which is how they make a queen. And you have to kill it. He's like, you can't let them make a queen because she'll be even more chaotic. Because the whole point of it 
is that you don't want the queen to get too weak because if she does and the bees like part of the colony will break off and make a new colony because they feel the queen's too weak and they need to do a new one. So he's like, so you need to keep control. You need to make sure they don't make any supers. It's like, oh God. He's like, and then after like three or four days, maybe a week, you put in the new queen in the, uh, the box. They put her like in this little like screen box. Let them get used to her scent. Let her, let her get used to it. They have like a sugar cork they're supposed to eat. And then after that, release her and then you're back to normal. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> oh my God, this feels like fucking Game of Thrones. Yeah, just like pop her head off and leave her there. Your <laughs> fucking little finger. And then also the last part feels like when you get a new cat. Have you ever heard that advice when you get a new cat that it's like you're supposed to put them on like different yeah. sides of the door? <laughs> That's what I did. I did have my cats. Let them just hiss at each other. Yeah. Let them get used to each other, feed God. them next to each other. Yeah. It's awful. It was one of those things. It's like, who figured this out like who designed this system it seems cruel and unusual like he specifically was like let them see the body i'm like oh my god <laughs> so then if you get other bees then you don't have to do that or is it just this specific breed you're supposed to do it like when you think the queen is weakening because like i said it doesn't matter what kind of bee they're gonna get like more chaotic if the queen is weak and they might leave it's called um swarming they might swarm somewhere else so you're supposed to do it no matter what, but there's, like, particular breeds that are more aggressive or more, like, high-strung than others, where it's like, you have to do this every year, versus I think most beekeepers let their bee queens live two years. So this is just your your first demo of how horrible this can be. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, everyone's like, I'd be a beekeeper, but I, I'm afraid of getting stung. I'm like, that that ain't the problem, son. <laughs> like, I've been stung once, so I guess that's not the problem <laughs> at all. And it didn't even hurt, so it's... There's a lot more to it. It's all the horrors. Yeah, all the horrors of it all. So I feel like I need to explain one more thing about bees. And that's the difference between what they do with nectar and what they do with pollen, which is a common misconception. With nectar is actually what honey comes from. Nectar, they actually eat it and put it in their stomach and they throw it up. So that's why people say like honey is bee vomit because it is. So that's actually what honey is. Honey is nectar. So not all plants give nectar. Like, for instance, almond trees don't. Almond trees are all pollen. And so bees actually can't make honey out of almonds, almond trees. Now, pollen is used, is technically a more important function because it is used to feed the larvae and the new bees that come out. It's like protein pack. They complete it with all this protein, all this other components and a little bit of honey to kind of like give them this like honey patty thing. But they get all their protein and nutrients for the new hot, new bees with pollen. So they, they're equally important and they have both of them. But that's common. Like, people will see bees go in and out of hives and be like, there's no pollen on them. They're not doing anything. It's like, no, they're covered in nectar. They're, they ate it all. <laughs> they have to go vomit it. <laughs> what, do they, what do they make the honeycomb out of? Honeycomb is wax that they actually have, like, a separate gland to make from. They also make, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's like polis, populus. I can't remember how to pronounce it exactly. It's this, like, very specific type of wax that they make out of, like, tree resin hmm. that they seal their hive that makes it completely bacteria-free. Like, they, nothing can, like, get into the hive that way, and it completely seals it from weather and everything else. You're not supposed to treat the inside of your hive at all. They deal that themselves. Well, I mean, honey, I mean, like, all that stuff, it is very interesting. I mean, because, you know, random science fact that I think everybody kind of already knows about, but, like, honey can basically last forever. Yeah, it never So long bad. as it's in a sealed container. It is pretty incredible that bees can do that. Whatever they're doing, they're, they're doing they it. it. <laughs> they did it best. <laughs> they figured it out. So I have one last little fun fact before I go into my topic about beekeeping, per se. Bees can actually carry equal weight when they're flying, which sounds silly. You're like, yeah, that's not hard. 
the like most advanced aircraft that we have can only carry a quarter of its weight while it's still in the air. So that's kind of like, especially when you look at how dumb their wings are, you're like, that, that can't be right. <laughs> they just try so hard. Yeah. Plus, it makes me think of the B movie where like their stupid fat little body shouldn't be able to get off the ground, but they don't care that you don't know how it works. <laughs> Clearly we don't. We can't make the aircraft do the same thing. Forget about physics. Yeah. <laughs> they don't matter to bees. <laughs> they just do because they, they must. Do things. So yeah, so that's kind of like some one-on-one on little bees as individuals. They're really great. So now you get to talk about beekeeping. Yeah, taking care of the bees and watching the bees, making sure the bees live. And I don't know what else really. I guess you do. You do lots of things. You just watch them. <laughs> just watch them day in and day out. Well, I can start with what I'm doing now. Actually, kind of funny. Okay. So I should be getting my new beehives mid-April, and right now. This is going to come out probably around then, but this is, we're recording like mid-March. So right now I'm treating the hive boxes for the bees to come in. And I was actually doing a lot of research because um, my uncle is very old-fashioned in how he beekeeps. And usually if I have a question, I ask him. I've come to find, like, I like that sweet spot between traditional and modern. Where, like, I like to do some things traditionally. Like, when it comes to processing the honey, I am very traditional. But when it comes to taking care of the bees, I'm very modern. I was looking into treatments for the hive because you need to treat the outside. A lot of people paint, some people stain. There's a whole list of things you can do to make sure that the hive doesn't, the wood on the hive doesn't rot or do anything like that. He always used tongue oil, which is like a very natural stain oil that you have to do like in the middle of the summer and before you get the bees, which I don't really like to mess with them a whole lot if I don't have to. So that didn't really work for me. And I was looking up things. So polyurethane which is completely water-resistant, watertight, excellent coating, I thought it would be toxic. I was like, they're not going to like it. They're not, de- not going to deal with it. And now that polyurethane's been around for a long time, people are like, no, if it's on the outside of the hive, they don't give a shit. <laughs> Just don't do anything on the inside. But if you, like, do it soon enough that all the, like, um, pollutants and everything are gone and the smells, they don't really care. So I was like, okay, so right now I'm treating my hives and making sure they're completely sealed. And then I'll be putting them out, and then I get my knucks in a couple weeks. Which a knuck, and you see, is if you're a beginning beekeeper, they are the best thing to do. Basically, when you get bees, there's like one of three ways. One, you find a wild hive and you bring it home. <laughs> that's, that's wild, but okay. That's actually like a service beekeepers offer all the time. Like people will be like, oh, there's honeybees like up in my woods. They're like, give it to me. And they'll like go out and pull them out for free because that's like a free hive to them. It's a common service. I call it level four beekeeping. I'm a level two and a half. So like, I don't do that yet because I just don't have the resources to just keep containing hives. People have called me. They're like, oh, there's this hive. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get you somebody. <laughs> like, I, I'm yeah. Not... Like, what are you, what are you supposed to do with it? They're not aggressive when they're swarming. Usually like, um, that's another thing people don't know about bees. Bees are very non-aggressive, honeybees especially, because it's like that's not their point. They're not designed to be aggressive or to fight or be predators. They literally just pollinate and like make honey. The only time they're aggressive is that if you're actively like attacking larvae or trying to kill the queen. And even then, the larva is more important. They can replace the queen. They're still not that aggressive with the queen. They just swarm her. So they're like in their least aggressive state when they're swarming, at least. When you're like people just find them in a batch in their tree or something. It's a little harder when they're like, there's been a 10-year infestation in my garage that I had decided not to deal with until now. <laughs> That's a little different, but you also get a ton of honey out of that, so it's kind of 
worth the risk. <laughs> like, what what would you do with it though? Like, you put it in a box. Like, it's it's really oh. simple. Like, you get um, and they'll just be fine. Yeah, if you move the queen, the bees follow. So essentially, you'll bring hmm. in like your brood box. You'll put honeycombs and things like that, and then you just find the queen. Once you find the queen, you put her in there. She can't fly usually, or if she can, it's not very far. You put her in the box, and then you let it sit overnight, and all the bees will just start going there. It's pretty simple. So I'm treating all the beehive stuff. I'll be putting it out. And so that's the first step of your beekeeping is you have to make sure, like, your hive is what it's supposed to be. You have something called a brood box, which is where the queen stays. And if she lays all the larvae, you usually want to put a queen excluder between it and the super. The super is where the honey is stored. That's where you collect the honey. And that's also why you want a queen excluder because you don't want the queen to be up in there when you take the hive away and, like, process the honey. So that's pretty much all you need to know about the hive. I mean, there needs to be a roof. There needs to be an opening. There's a whole bunch of other stuff, but I'm not telling you to beekeep right now, so I'm not right. going to go into all those details. Um, the next now, phase... Are we getting into the part where you collect the honey? No, we're not close there yet. I haven't even put the bees in the box. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. I'm, I'm staying yeah. with it. Okay, yeah, so, put the bees in the box. <laughs> so, I got, so I got the nuts. I was explaining the difference between nuts and everything. So there are three ways to get beehives. One, you find it in the wild. Two... You do something, you get a package, which is actually what I used to do. And they just ship this box of bees to your house. And they're in like, they're double screened and they have this cap on top. And let me tell you, I was not ready for that experience my first year at all. So, I mean, as I've said, like, I was never really afraid of being stung by them. As a person who actively didn't care that I would get stung, it scared me when I opened that up. I put on all my gear and I just lifted this little plastic cap and the noise just amplified by 10. I was like, oh, oh God. I was like, I was not ready for that noise because you can hear them buzzing in the package, but it just, I just lifting that lid. I put it back down. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> they're they're going to eat my face. <laughs> like I can just, oh God. Like, I, was so I just scared. don't even understand how you can mail bees. The guy, like, makes you sign for him. He <laughs> just hands him off to yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> I'm sure it's an awful experience I got for home him. from Texas, if you could believe that. I had to pay Did the guys hours. say anything to you? No, they're used like that. They do stuff like this. They, sh- they mail chickens in the mail. That's how you get chicks. That's how we raise chickens is they mail me little chicks in a box. Uh. <laughs> this is the world of farming in the industry. Poor chickens. They're fine. <laughs> poor me. Okay. There's some people when they get a package of bees, they'll like coat their wings with sugar water. That to me is cruel. They just like they start drowning them with sugar water so they can't fly. So you can just dump them in your box. I'm like, nah, I can't do that. That's evil. <laughs> okay. So you got a package full you got of a package bees. Full of bees. So the third way you can get bees, which is what I'm doing this year, is called Nux. And you see S. Um, and essentially you're going to another beekeeper and they're giving you a partial hive that's already established with a new queen. So that's the best option for a new beekeeper because it's already started. Like the hardest part's over. They started, they have a queen, they have larvae, they have honey, and you're just moving them to a new location for them to rebuild. So, okay, we have our bees. Whether it be by mail, by the wild, or by a fellow entrepreneur. <laughs> please, please don't get your bees by mail. It's, it's, it's not terrifying. Why is it so bad? I can show you. I'm showing you the video. Like, why? I'm such a problem with this. Okay, okay. Well, you got your bees. It's however 
already got your bees. The bees yeah. are at your well, house. Well, what cracks me up about the package is it specifically sells, like, by weight. See, it's like, it comes with a queen and three pounds of bees. <laughs> I'm like, what? There's not a number. There's just like, three pounds of bees in a box. <laughs> three pounds three of bees. Three pounds of bees. That's my new favorite measurement. <laughs> like, it's about three pounds of bees. Where is it? I don't know. That's just how they market them. That's always cracked me up. I'm like, usually you would say like 10,000 roughly. No, three pounds of bees. <laughs> They just throw them all in a box. <laughs> like, Maybe it's they will spray them with the sugar water. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're cheaping me out. <laughs> like they're weighing them down with the sugar water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you got your bees. Uh, so now you put them in the box, which is however it's already in a box, or you've thrown them in there, you've dumped them out of the package, or you the nuts already established. So this is the hardest part for the bees. Is the very beginning. The first year is the hardest. No matter what, they're weak. They're in a weakened state. They're open to attack. They're rushing. They're trying to get things done quickly, usually starting later in the year. Whole list of things. So your job at first is to make sure they have food. So obviously the nucks, that doesn't really matter. They already have it. It's fine. But the other ones, you usually have to feed them. Whether I try to feed them local honey. I find that's the best thing for them. But um, you can also give them, like, the patties. They actually have, like, the pollen patties. You can make them yourself. And the other thing I do, because I'm a baker, is I make fondant for them. You can make, like, this whipped sugar fondant for them that they'll feed. Because, let me tell you, anyone who's trying to be a beekeeper, anyone that tells you to feed them sugar syrup, don't. Just don't do it. They drown. They're dumb. Okay? They don't. They, they'll get in it, and they'll just straight up drown. And it's just so irritating. And it's so sticky. And the smell and everything else just attracts all these other predators. It is the least efficient way to feed bees, if you ask me. And also, it's just, like, not generally good for them. The fondant is the same stuff, but one, it doesn't have a spell. Two, it's solid. And three, it's not as sticky. You can handle it. So, and also, but make the fondant yourself. Do not buy the fondant. They have a bunch of bullshit in the fondant that you yeah, buy. Yeah, because you probably don't want to do, like, colors. No. And, like, yeah. the fondant they buy, they usually put, like, this glucose, like, component in it that makes it last longer for preservatives. Da, da, da. You just whip hot sugar, man. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's just basic baking temperature candy stuff. Like, it's easy. It's like making fudge. Like, <laughs> Did they get excited? Did they, like, know when you're going to give them food? Nah. Nah. Okay. I just, I wasn't sure, like, how aware they yeah. were of like, your presence. I, I like to think that they call me White Devil because I'm always in my, like, <laughs> my white suit. So they're like, the White Devil's here! <laughs> I guess. It's God. It's coming. <laughs> God um, is here. <laughs> she brings us an offering. Us an, the only time they notice... Is if, like, they're starving. Then I'll see them, like, immediately go to the honey. They're, they do notice the honey. But usually what happens is, like, three or four are like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, they go and investigate. It's not like they swarm. As a team, they, like, send responses and signals to figure out what to do. So, yeah, they don't really, like, greet me warmly when I meet them. <laughs> they're not very gracious if I give anything to them. So, you gotta feed your bees. And then, now it's summer. The other interesting fact about bees is in the summer they have like a three-week lifespan they are pushed to the max they are doing everything they're working 100 percent of the time in the winter they have to survive months because a queen doesn't usually lay in the winter unless it's warm so like they live for two three four months in the winter but in the summer they get three weeks <laughs> and then they kill over so after that you have to do you have to be their doctor. You have to give them, like, physicals. You have to monitor, like, their health issues, everything like that. Uh, yeah. How do you give a bee a physical? You have to look at the hive. Like, there's, um, 
You have to look for mites. You have to look for mold, bacteria, predators. You have to look to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to. You have to worry about cross combs. Like, there's all this, like, intricate stuff you have to figure out. You pick up your hive. You make sure you still have three pounds of bees. (laughs) You weigh out the bees and there's still three pounds. Yeah, you look around. You see how many dead they're... Because they they bring out their dead. They, like, throw them off to the side. (laughs) Okay. So you have to make sure, like, the, the amounts are reasonable and not, like, sudden changes. There are cycles, so, like, there will be times where you just have, like, one day, two weeks, you won't have any bees, like, dead, and you're like, cool, I'm doing great, and then, like, suddenly there's 40, you're like, what the hell? Like, uh, it's just a cycle. <laughs> like, they all woke up that day, <laughs> so they all died that day. <laughs> it's fine, it's cool, it's fine. It's kind of funny, like, that they have, you know, their own little lives in there, that yeah. they're, like, doing stuff, and they're like, oh, here's a dead person. Just throw them out. <laughs> you guys get on that, take it out. <laughs> well, it's almost like they have personalities, there's, um... So the varicose mites are a big killer of them, which they are essentially, like, just parasites. They'll, like, there's these little mites that'll stick and just start sucking the blood out of their brain. And you have to watch out for those. They're supposed to be less than 10% of your population has them because pretty much every population does. Mine doesn't have any because I'm great. But um, <laughs> the way, the natural way to deal with that is the funniest thing to me. You get thyme oil. So thyme oil. Or it's called something else when it's just thyme oil. And you put it on a bunch of plastic beads and you put it in their hive. They do not like the smell of that. It pisses them off. So you know what they do? They pick up the beads and they take them away. And they throw them out. And in this process, they get covered in the oil, which the mites don't like. can't deal with it. Like, it's toxic to the mites. And so then they rub up against the other bees. And, like, the oil just spreads through the hive. And now the mites don't bother them. <laughs> but essentially, we're like, they don't like that smell. They, they just take it out. And they associate it to the beads. So they're like, what the fuck is this shit? Get it out of here. Like, it smells like shit. Get it out. And that's how you treat for mice. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I know. <laughs> so adorable. Yeah. It just, there's so many little things like that. I'm like, that's so stupid. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. So you have to deal with all that. Which I'm about to tell you. I'm about to change some minds of people that are like, man, she loves bees. I would love to be a beekeeper. It doesn't sound that hard. Here is a horror story about beekeeping. It is not mine. Because if it were mine, I would no longer be a beekeeper, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I was watching, like, some documentary about a woman, and she was like, I love beekeeping. I have four hives in my uh, garden and all this. She's like, I have four hives in all my gardens and everything like this. She went, but my first year was rough. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a pretty rough year. You don't know what you're doing. You're, like, reacting rather than being proactive, da 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 Oh, dear Lord, what happened to this woman? On top of the mites and on top of predators and everything else you have to look for, there are diseases and bacterias and horrible things that can happen. Some of them are minor, not most of them. Uh, One in particular that I'm talking about is called foul brood, which is essentially like the larvae get a bacteria in them and they start rotting, which the larvae are the key component in a hive. If you can't keep the larvae safe, then you don't have a hive. Everyone thinks it's the honey or the queen. No, it's the larva. So how you test for this is, one, it'll have a foul smell, hence the name, foul brood. And the brood is what you call the larva. It's like a brood box at the bottom, brood larva. And you take a match and you put it in. And essentially, if the fire goes out and you smell that, you've got foul brood. So this woman was talking about it. And she was just like, yeah, my first year I started three hives. I was like, that's a little ambitious, but okay. She's like, they were doing great. They were just so wonderful. Everything was going splendidly. Like, I even got to put the supers on, all this stuff. She's like, and then one of them got foul brood. And I instantly knew what that meant because I beekeep. And there's no treatment for foul brood. 
as a beekeeper, it is your responsibility to ensure that does not spread. You cannot let that spread. It is death to all hives. So the only treatment they apparently I was reading and apparently they've updated and they have a slight treatment, but they don't recommend it because it's not guaranteed. The only treatment is at night you seal up your hive, you put kerosene in it and you burn them alive. The entire hive. You can't even keep like the equipment or anything. And she had to do that to all three hives because obviously they've come in contact with each other and you can't risk the foul brood spreading. And she talked about, she's like, I heard them popping. Like, I was like, oh my God. Like that. Uh, you think it's disgusting. I just want to cry. I'm like, yeah, you were, you were telling me about oh, this last time. That's pretty rough. I mean, I wouldn't have, I would have sobbed and not be kept anymore. <laughs> yeah. So what do you have to do about this? Like, how do you keep it from happening? Or is it just random? It's kind of random. One, like it can spread through other like pollinators and whatnot. Like it, it's just something that happens. It's, they call it a disease, but it is a bacteria. So it's just, it's just one of those unfortunate things. Yeah, so this gets into, I guess, kind of all of your warnings and stuff about, you know, beekeeping is kind of hard. And from what I understand, it's also kind of expensive. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, what would you say to anybody who does want to beekeep besides this one horrifying story? <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, take caution in the wind. This could happen to your bees, and that's rough. So, a few things. One, if you're beekeeping for honey, don't. If that's the only reason why you're beekeeping, just don't. There's no reason. Like, honey, you don't even get honey your first year unless you've failed and your hive is lost for another reason that's not related to the honey pop or the honey cultivation. So if you're just like, man, I'd love some honey. It's not worth it. It's not worth <laughs> the trouble if you just want to get some fucking honey. Like, that's not... The other people have been saying they want to help the pollinators. That that's why they want to make sure... Bee key, honey bees are not native to here. Technically, they're invasive when we bring them. So if you're wanting to help the pollinators, bringing in honey bees isn't necessarily the goal. The thing you need to do is one of, two, one of three things. Or all three if you really want. One, if you see a yellow jacket or a hornet... And you're not in Germany. <laughs> if you are in America and you see a yellow jacket or a hornet, crush it, kill it, find its home, destroy it. They are invasive. They kill honeybees. They kill all sorts of pollinators. They are the reason why I've lost two hives. So they are the reason. They are the problem. Yes, pesticides. Yes, all the other stuff. You know, don't use that. It was a problem. We shouldn't have it. Hornets and yellow jackets are the problem. So many invasive species are a problem. The other thing you can do is look up what local pollinators you do have. Figure out why they're less so. Because I can't think of a local pollinator that's not in danger. Look up the reason why. If it's because they're losing habitat and they're losing, like, for instance, one of the close uh, local pollinators is the blue carner butterfly. It is local to, like, the Midwest and prairies and so on and so forth. And one of the reasons why is because it main source, its main source of food used to be lupins. Which, since we don't have planes anymore, those are getting taken out. And so now they become endangered and have adapted to go to other things. But if you plant a bunch of lupins, they're going to be drawn to it. And that's your pollinator right there. That's supposed to be there. So you don't have to have honeybees to be a pollinating hero. And if you <laughs> want to do it for honey, you're in the wrong business. That's <laughs> not what... Okay. So that is my advice, honestly. Like, if you can tell me those aren't your two reasons, if you want bees for every reason, if you're loved bugs if you have all these or you hear these stories you're like i want to experience this <sighs> get into other 
other bugs. Maybe get yeah, some spiders. Some other bugs. Get um, some spiders. Be I will, that lady. Yes. <laughs> I do know someone that's like. Uh, I will. I'm going to shit on one thing real quick because it pissed me off. Okay. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be our show without yeah without rants. ranting. <laughs> okay. So the Flow Hive. I think that's the brand. It's it advertises EDZ Honey Flow, where essentially you pull a lever and it like opens the honeycombs and lets you get honey. Do not start with those. Those are ineffective for starting a hive completely. They are not conducive to keeping the honey safe. The bees can't protect it very easily. They're poorly designed in such a way, and they're overpriced. Someone tried to tell me not to get one when I first started. They're like, oh, I wouldn't trust that. And I said, why? And they didn't have any reason. So I went, oh, you're just old and don't want to, like, find this new technology. I'm like, to me, this is so much better. You're, like, not taking out the combs completely. Like, you're helping the bees. It's less invasive of their lifestyle. All this stuff. It made sense to me. That's not where the flaws lie. The flaw lies in the design of the honeybee boxes. And the company wants to charge you two grand for this. And it's just not necessary. Go spend $400 on a full kit. <laughs> that's, that's so much better to do. And then the other thing is go to a local beekeeper. That is the best thing you can do. They're going to tell you the good things, the bad things about the area. Like in our area, weather's a big problem. So you have to do a lot of things to anticipate the weather. And like those invasive bugs, like I said, they're a big problem. So just go hang out with your local beekeeper for a day. They're more, I will tell you now, I've not met a beekeeper that is not happy to go and talk about bees all day. <laughs> like, that is just part of our lifestyle. I corner people in the honey and tea aisle and talk to them about honey, okay? Like, this is... Have you heard, like, a word of bees? <laughs> well, I see people, like, looking at honeys, and I'm like, do you need help? I know, like, everything about honey. Like... <laughs> Do you need honey help? Do you need honey help? And then, like, some people get really upset with me and don't want anything to do with me. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, what? I'm trying to help. And then other people get really excited. But, yeah, there's the occasional person who's just, like, feels I've invaded their space or something. I'm like, I'm just trying to I am perfectly capable of picking my own honey myself. I'm a strong, independent woman. (laughs) It is usually a woman. And I'm like, well, one woman I, like, I about yelled at her for it. She, She was, like, sitting there for a bit looking at honey and I just went what are you looking for and she's glared at me I was like I'm asking because like I'm a beekeeper I know I can help you if you have questions about honey as silly as it sounds and then she just like picked up this like generic bottle and threw it in her cart and I was like that's sugar water bitch like I just wanted to scream at her (laughs) but I was like no I'll let her go it's fine I can't help everybody yeah so I guess that's what we'll end with the beekeeping section is that it gets it's not for the faint of heart. It is definitely a hobby that, while not all-consuming, like, honestly, it doesn't take that much time if you only have a hive or two. But it is just a lot of research, a lot of trial and error, and it's trial and error that really hurts. It's not like you baked a cake and it got burnt and you lost maybe 20 bucks worth of thing. It's like, I've lost two grand, and I'm heartbroken, and I feel like a monster. <laughs> it's not, not great, so... Yeah, it's, I mean, especially that one story that really gets me because it's just, especially like when you put so much time and so much effort into it and, you know, all these resources and then it's just like, I have to go murder them. (laughs) Well, with, I don't get emotional anymore. It used to be like every time I told a story, I would just get like upset because when it happened, I was so upset. My first year was really rough, but it was a learning period. Like I was, it was mostly because I was learning. So, like, it was understandable and what I was going through. But essentially, my hive got weakened by yellow jackets and hornets. 
too late in the season to recover. But they had honey. They were doing okay. They were just small. And so, like, I tried to make sure they lasted through the winter. And I made, there was, like, a warm day in the middle of winter, and I went to go check on them. And I knew instantly they were dead because you could hear them. You can smell them. Like, there's so many things that you don't think about until it's gone. And I had a breakdown that day. I was so upset. And that's just the life, though. Like, like I said, 60% of beekeepers lose their hive the first year. That's just how it goes. But, yeah. I'll wrap it up with that sad story. Let's talk about something happier. Let's talk about honey. Honey. Do you, honey. So do you do you have stuff that you want to talk about with honey? Or should I go into my couple things that I have from the science section? Crystal the science gal. <laughs> Crystal. <laughs> I think I can, you should go because I've been talking so long. Yeah, I can. I don't know. I think like at first I was like trying to put on my alien hat where it's like boo 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 But that doesn't really make any sense. Okay. So, honey. Honey is very interesting. And Julie's got things that she can add about this. But, like, one of the things that I want to talk about that I just found interesting because I'm a scientist and I think that this is cool is that one thing is, is honey is so specific because it has to do, you know, with, like, the pollen and the different types of flowers and, like, the environment and, like, how hot it is and how cold it is and, like, all this different stuff. And it gets so specific that you can use NMR to track the location of where a honey came from. So, like, if you have a honey, you don't know where it came from, and you want to know for some reason. I, th- I think, like, basically, from what I've gathered from looking at this, that it this has to do with, like, if you were verifying a source. Like, if somebody, like, came up to you and they're like, oh, this honey is from Turkey, like, this would be how you would prove it. You would be like, oh, there should be, you know, this, this, and this flowers. It should be... I don't really know how the environmental factors play. I mean, like, I could understand water, but, like, the heat and desert and things like that. I don't really know how that gets into the honey and that you can tell that. From what I could tell based on what I was researching, it's mostly the flowers. (laughs) But I still thought that that was very interesting. And then another thing that I thought was interesting is... So... (laughs) This, this gets into, like, a very weird thing, but it makes sense if you think about it, is that, so these bees, they're going to different places, you know, they're collecting nectar, pollen, all of this kind of stuff, and so then they're taking it into the hive, so you can actually end up with honey that is poisonous, <laughs> you can also end up with honey that has opioids in it, and so I guess it would get you high. I'm not sure about that one because I guess you would probably have to eat like a lot for that to really work. But what's interesting is that there is a thing that's called toxic honey, which is kind of misleading because you can't, I don't think you can really die from it from what I've understood about it. It's more just like it will get you drunk essentially. Like that's like the effect. And it's a bigger thing in Turkey And it has to do, apparently, with when you have a lot of rhododendrons and laurels. And so I guess, like, in Turkey, there's a big supply of it, which is why it happens there particularly, and it's a bigger thing. But I don't know. I just thought that that was wild, because there was this story about this Greek guy. I forget his name. But basically that his army 
accidentally ate a bunch of this honey, so they got, like, super wasted, and they, like... I think they were about to get into battle or something. And so they were just like in this valley, like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? <am> <laughs> yeah. They're like just dying or they think that they're dying. And it was this very weird day where like the whole army essentially was just stumbling, like passing out. And then the next day they were fine, but <laughs> yeah. they would have lost the battle that day. <laughs> Yeah, and then I think they went on to go win a battle or something, but they were all just, like, very confused. They probably thought, you know, Poseidon. Yeah. (laughs) Cursed their battle. I don't know. I thought all that was interesting from my science perspective. So this was Krista's science corner. Krista the science gal. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm going to talk about, honey, is I'm going to try to answer some questions. There's a ton of things I can ramble about, honey. But unless you're passionate about it, you don't care. I'm trying to answer the question of how do I buy honey at the goddamn store? <laughs> you you stare at it with your eyeballs. to come and find you. You put your hand to your heart. <laughs> and then you pray for Julie. <laughs> and you pray that a beekeeper will come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I know everyone's going to tell you just buy local. Everyone would buy local all the time if they could. Everyone's a good person. I know that. Most of you are just going to the store and need some tea because your mother-in-law is coming to town and she insists on having honey and tea. Like, I'm I'm talking to you people that are at the store here. So, yeah, if you want to spend $50 on a nice jar of honey from your local beekeeper, I encourage that, of course. I, do the, I buy honeycombs from local beekeepers, but I'm trying to get through some of the language that we see all over the place. So when you see things like organic, cold-pressed, unfiltered... All that nonsense. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So, first of all, there are really two kinds of fake honey. That's how I'm going to put it. They're the ones that people put in, like, high fructose corn syrup. They mix honey that they get processed and high fructose corn syrup. They have to say that on the label. It'll be fairly obvious. If it says anything other than just honey, then you know that something's been added. So that's the easy way to get through that. And usually those are the really cheap honeys that people to go towards. Um, The other one which confuses people that is harder to detect is like I was saying you can feed bees and you're supposed to. So there will be places that will feed them sugar water and not let them really pollinate and they do make honey out of that if they feed them enough but it is like obviously no nutrients it's just sugar it's just energy. That one is a lot harder usually you have to kind of read into it a lot more and it won't say anything other than just like honey. It can't say, like, Cloverfed. It can't have, like, any of that kind of stuff on it. It'll just say, like, honey. And it might even have a higher calorie rate. But technically, I think by the FDA, they don't have to specify, like, the calorie rate of it. They have a generic, like, honey calorie rate. So that one's a little harder to follow. I would say if the honey is very light colored, that is a sign. If it's very light colored, cheap, just as honey, that's probably one of those. It's very popular in China, actually, to do that with rice. They'll have, like rice fed bees it's like this really weird thing where they make this like sugar paste out of rice and that's like Mm. a lot of honey from china does that where it's that filtered honey like that so what what color do you think that honey should be like if you could compare it to something like what's like a good color that's another topic (laughs) Um, that's a hard thing to describe well because you were saying like it shouldn't be too white it shouldn't be like if it's white like almost okay, like well, clear. That would be very terrifying. I don't Not think I would like that. If it's like the lighter it is, the more likely it's just sugar. Studies have shown that the darker the honey is, the healthier it is for you. The two darkest honeys are buckwheat 
and Maduka honey, which I'm sure a lot of you are like, bing, you know, Maduka honey, because in Australia they use it as like a cure-all. Um, the darker the honey is, the more antioxidants it has in it, the more nutrients it's known to have in it. But dark honey also has a very different flavor. So it's kind of hard to just want to put, you don't want to put buckwheat honey in your tea. I'm telling you that right now. Buckwheat honey is like Dr. Pepper dark. Like it is a very dark honey. <laughs> so you kind of want somewhere in the middle, honestly. You want kind of like an amber glow, which a lot of companies know that and they try to market that way. Okay. So what I do is I go one shade darker than amber. That's, that's harder to fake and people aren't drawn to it as much. It's kind of a funny thing that even though darker honeys are scientifically proven to be more nutritious, one of the most expensive honeys you can get is honey locust honey, which is the lightest colored honey. It is almost crystal. Like it is, hmm. it's like barely off colored white. It is very light honey, but it has like no nutritional value, hardly any. So I don't think I would trust a honey that's white. It's very sweet. Like it, it's like sugar. I can do um, locust honey, locust honey because I have honey locusts everywhere. But the hard part about processing it is also you have to process it really early in the spring because it's or really early in the summer because that's when honey locusts are out. Yeah, you let me know when you have your poppies how easily <laughs> you're able to keep <laughs> your bees away because that's the thing too that confuses me about some of this is like when you have like clover honey, what does that mean? Like you just have a whole bunch of clover and you just put your bees in the middle of the clover. So if we're talking actual clover-flavored honey, or are we talking what the store says clover-flavored honey is? Because Well, I guess, like, <laughs> my, like, question, like, I guess what I'm trying to say about that is, is, like, how would you control the bees from, like, not getting a source somewhere else? It's timing. And then it's also just, like, the mass amount of it. So, like, for instance, if you plant within five acres, like, all you have is goldenrod the next five acres over, even if there are stray plants in there majority is goldenrod so when you collect the honey it's the collection of it so if like 60 percent or more of it is goldenrod honey you're gonna have goldenrod honey like flavors mine i get basil honey because i have basils growing everywhere and it's late in the year when i have nothing else that blooms so they go right for that basil so it's all timing like when you pick up the honey based on what's around clover honey is the easiest because clover's everywhere and it has like that distinct flavor and I have a mix of, like, clover honey and basil honey. But basil is just a stronger flavor. So even if 60% is clover honey and 40% is basil, it usually wins out. But in stores, which also goes into the organic, if you see something that says organic honey, that only means within two miles of that beehive that they collected the honey from, there were no pesticides used. So that's how they market it. It's like, the two miles from here is nothing but clover. Yeah, so then they could do all the... The shifty stuff with the sugar and stuff. Yeah, so they can still so. do that. Even if it says organic, it can still be that filter feed honey and everything else. So that you can't, I don't, the organic means nothing to me. If there were pesticides that were harmful, it would have killed the bees. The bees have processed the honey. The pesticides don't matter. So if you were buying honey from the store then, what would be the honey that you would buy? Give the people the thing they want. Give the, the people what they want. The information. So you want raw honey. That is... More specifically, we want organic. Doesn't really matter. You want to read the back of the ingredient and make sure it doesn't say sugar anywhere. Raw honey. Well, let me see. The other thing that you'll see is unfiltered. Unfiltered doesn't mean anything either. If you see something that says raw and unfiltered, that's probably the best thing you can get. But if it just says unfiltered, that still applies to everything else. Like that doesn't 
doesn't really matter. Raw honey means it was cold pressed versus heated, which is what I do. If you, it's so much easier to heat the honey, which all these companies have to do if they put stuff in it because it has to be able to mix. When you heat it up past, I think it's like 180 degrees or something. I'm not check. Don't quote me. I know there's a certain temperature. I look it up when I do it. But obviously the honey gets thinner as it does with heat. And it goes through like the cheesecloth or whatever filtering process you do. And it's a lot easier to deal with. When you cold press it, I literally have to like barely bring it up to that temperature and like press it in and do all this work. But if you heat it up, that kills the enzyme that you want out of honey that gives you all those health props gives you all those health properties and the things that you want out of it. And if they're going through the effort of cold pressing it, they're also probably not messing with anything else on it because it's an annoying process that like it takes time and energy and like mass companies aren't going to do if they're not going to make money off of it. So that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for raw honey and you're going to see it. It's going to be like thicker looking usually, not necessarily. If it's the unfiltered honey basically means like they use a strainer rather than a cheesecloth. So then you'll get like chunks of wax. You'll get like weird little possibly debris, that kind of thing out of it. But that's also just another buzzword half the time if they don't put raw with it. So that's what you're looking for. Raw. Raw honey. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair I mean I guess that makes sense and I mean I mean like as we were saying at the beginning it's like it stays good for a really long time I mean our country has a big fascination with pasteurizing things uh you know all of that kind of stuff but like with honey it's like what's the point it already kind of stays good so yeah. why yeah. pasteurize it Honey bees are so advanced compared to us when it comes to all this nonsense like, <laughs> they know to take those bees out the beads with the time, they're like, no. Nope. Is that your favorite fun fact now? <laughs> yes, because it's adorable. It is. They're just good. like, I hate this. Yeah, they're just like, what is this crap? Get it out of here. I just like that they'll, they'll toss things out. They're just mm -hmm. like, what is this? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, so now you know how to buy honey when you're not buying it from a local beekeeper. <laughs> good. Just at the store. Well... Do you have any other fun facts that you will have for this? Because I don't think that I have any special secret questions besides the ones that I already asked. No, I don't really think so. I mean, the only other things I can talk about are just like medicinals and mead and because I do both of those things. But I feel like that's another episode. That's okay. like slightly separate from beekeeping. Yeah. And then the way that you can uh, poison people with mead. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's just I was telling people, I'm like, I'm really worried don't die. <laughs> that's, this is my thing now. As I just, just tell, tell people, people. how to poison others. <laughs> yeah, how to poison people with honey. <laughs> yeah. Botulism. Yeah. That's, I was like, I, my first mead, I was just like, if no one gets botulism, I'm considering that a win. <laughs> that is all I'm aiming for today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, then I think that that is it. This was Passion for Your Passions with Julie and Krista. For today, Julie talked about beekeeping, and on the next episode, we're going to talk about authors with bad lives, the goofiest topic. <laughs> this is a Krista special. <laughs> That's how you know. That's how you know. Doesn't make any sense. It was, it was Krista. <laughs> this is an important topic to me, and to explaining who I am. 